0: We have a uh, wonderful opportunity once again this morning. Uh, many of you have been here uh, when Pastor Michael has joined us, and uh, we have the privilege uh, for Pastor Michael to bring the word to us once again. Uh, if you haven't been here and had a chance to, to meet him, uh, just a little history. Uh, I first met Michael 20, about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. We served together in a church in Oceanside. And uh, we have kept in touch. He is actually part of what we call, uh, call our accountability board uh, for our church. We have an accountability board of pastors uh, who don't live in Ojai. Um, Michael's one of them. There's one up in Tracy and another one in Colorado. And uh, it's very important to us. And so Michael has been on this journey with Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship uh, from day one. And uh, he's a dear brother. We have lots of conversations, personal pastoral Uh, he did a wonderful job yesterday morning with the men Uh, just a a powerful uh, devotional and and really pointed and answered helped us answer the question what does it mean to be a godly man how do you do that and uh, so well received by the men so this morning uh, we're going to pray and Michael will come up Lord thank you for our time of worship so far Lord and thank you for your word thank you for your word you say that we are sanctified by your word, and your word is truth. And and so, Lord, uh, now, uh, as only you can do, uh, speak to us from your word, Lord. And, and Lord, uh, we don't want to just be hearers, but as it says in James, we want to be hearers and doers. So, Lord, help us to understand it, and then, Lord, bring the very practical application. And, Lord, as we walk in faith and obedience in the Spirit to your word, Lord, uh, we believe that that's where the transformation will come. That's where the transformation. So bless our brother Michael. Thank you for he and his wife, Corey, uh, being here uh, this weekend and, and their ministry to us as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning. How are you this morning? I am not well. Um, they invited me to play Ultimate Frisbee yesterday. And I'm in ultimate pain. So um, I appreciate Richie's invitation for that great event. But uh, the first thing I did after showering, because I was a sweaty mess yester last night, was um, I said, "Hey, Corey, my wife. You know, we were together. She played as well. She made me look very bad. No, I'm not even just saying that. This is the truth. It is. Yeah, thank you, Mark." Was the... so um, showered, still in pain. Moments later. I'm like, where's Rite Aid again? Went to Rite Aid. Rite Aid is creepy here. Is it just, I'm just being clear. This morning I turned to my wife and I said, is it just really like where all the creepy people from the valley go? But it was really creepy. Guy was like intimidating the poor. He's probably here this morning. I hope you know the Lord. Intimidating the poor girl at the register. She's like 19. She's like, oh. So um, anyway, no. It was a great, great, great fun yesterday. So, so, so this morning, you know, um, really, what I'm sharing with you this morning is is, uh, is from a couple of verses that, um, in my own personal sort of devotional time, from about uh, I would say two, three weeks ago, uh, they really. Uh, just were glaring at me and I was wondering, what am I supposed to do with this? So first I started figuring out, okay, what's the personal application and, um, started digging through that. And then weeks before that, I was talking to my boys. Um, my, I have, we have four children, but my two sons who've been here before, they're at a surf competition now. That's what you do when you live in Oceanside. And, um, and they, (laughs) they, um, uh, I was sharing with them about, uh, Really, I was just sharing with them, hey, you know, Jesus wants your whole life. He doesn't want a part of it. He wants the whole thing. And um, you can fight and wrestle with him about the parts that you want to give and the parts that you don't want to give, or you can just sort of offer it and place him squarely at the center of your life. And if you place him squarely at the center of your life, um, you might be surprised the things that he will um, reveal to you. So that was happening, you know, maybe six, eight weeks ago. Then these verses came up that I'm going to share with you today, just most recently. And so, um, what today is about is some of it may be really familiar. Some of it you may look at and you may go, "Oh, this this is not, uh, you know, I'm not going to blow you away with some portion of scripture that you've never heard of before. Nor am I going to blow you away with some sort of concept." That you've never experienced or heard of before. But hopefully what, what occurs is that um, my prayer is that we all listen to it uh, with an openness of going, okay, what do you want me to do with this? Because uh, I don't know how it is for many of you, but a lot of times we have lots of knowledge about God. If you spend any time around church or in Bible study, you pick up knowledge, right? You You fill your mind with facts and figures and and, and you know where certain verses are, and all of this happens, and yet we sometimes will sit back with all that knowledge and go, why am I not, exper- why am I not discerning the will of God as clearly as I ought? Why, am I not cha- why are things not changing in my life? And I think a lot of times it's, it's that gap between knowledge and the other aspects of what it means to be maturing in our faith with Jesus. Uh, and in this case, today, I'll talk about wisdom and understanding. And, and let, me, let me read something to you. I, was, I, was, um, I, w- I want to read it because I don't want to miss a part of it. I, I was, as I was prepping, I, was, I wrote this out thinking about all of you praying through it. Your whole life matters to God. Your whole life matters to God. Every part of who you are, who you were created to be, was created by God. The whole you matters to him. In addition, every element of your life matters to God. Your family matters to God. Your home matters to God. Your work matters to God. Your business matters to God. The whole you matters to God. You are not just a set of hands or just a set of ears or just a a heart or just a, a, a shoulder. Similarly, you are not just a warm body to fill a volunteer position, or just a wallet to donate money, or just uh, fill in the blank. And I think sometimes in church we can feel like we're just a, uh, you know, uh, it can happen to people. You know, I'm just a drummer. I'm just a preacher. Now sometimes, oh wow, just a pre like, ooh, isn't that the pinnacle of church life, being the preacher? No it's one small role that's played in the total impact of Christ in a community in a region in a world it's just one piece of it it just so happens that some folks were gifted in that way and yet there's and yet we're gifted in a multiplicity of ways you know so you are so much more You are a whole person that was created in the image of God, delivered from death to life through salvation in Jesus Christ, and called by God to steward your whole life. So today's message is whole life stewardship. And really that's my goal is um that we all walk out of here me included because this isn't something that I've achieved and I figured it all out it's something that I'm trying to work out right this started as a personal devotion so what do we want to walk out with today this is it an expanded view of stewardship so when I was getting ready I, you know I knew I was going to be here Richie said you know Richie was saying that you guys have been um, studying this idea of grace. And then he said to me, it's all the grace. Great. That's great because great. And then he goes, talk about stewardship. I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay. You know, <laughs> so, right. Because what happens when we hear the word stewardship? If we've been around church for any length of time, what do we think of when we hear the word stewardship? When we've been around church money, there you go. That's what we think about, but you're not just a wallet. It's a whole you. Okay so i thought about money and then i thought well no it's more than money and um and so that's what we're really talking about today you were created by god you were delivered by god and you're called by god so how do we steward these resources so i want you to begin to think about your resources so so one of our resources is money right we we and sometimes we have lots of it, and sometimes we have a little bit of it, and we're to steward it no matter what, right? I mean, it is to be stewarded. But we also have gifts and talents. You have skills that you've developed over time. You know, some of you have, have great skills in an area of your life, in business, in, in a skill that you developed at work. And that's to be stewarded by God. Others of, of us have connections into the community. Maybe you, uh, you're involved in some sort of community activity, uh, coaching a team, working. in a, That's to be stewarded for God's glory. Right? So no matter what area of our life, we can't get out of the way of the fact that we are to steward every aspect of our life for God's glory, for his kingdom, and ultimately so that others would know who this Jesus is. So those of you who have seen me up here before, heard me introduced before, you know, uh, you know, so here I was, you know, I was Pastor Michael. That was my whole role. How do I help uh, youth and adults get to know Jesus, love Jesus? Then all of a sudden God sends me on this wild right, that's left, wild left turn. And, and that left turn takes me into what I thought was going to be me helping pastors develop as leaders. And it becomes me working with corporate executives. And people go, oh, well, how did that must be impressive. Well, I just praise God that he led me there. So just this last uh, weekend, Friday—not not this past Friday, but a week ago Friday—I'm you know, sitting with a gentleman who runs a five billion-dollar organization. Billion, B. He can't even wrap my mind around it, you know. And I work with his executive team. But here's what I'm doing: I have to sit there with him, and I'm not going, "Oh wow." Uh, who it, you know i'm sitting there going th- this this man is a human that god set me in front of at a at a new york diner to care for him and his team so how do i steward this time with him for god's glory now i'm not preaching at him i'm not sharing scripture with him right like directly but how do i love him and love his staff so that god is glorified ultimately that's stewardship. But then there's days where I'm sitting at my home office and I've got my 17-year-old son walk in or my 15-year-old son or my 10-year-old daughter and they may even be interrupting me. But how do I steward that time for God's glory? Right? So that that's what I'm talking about. Do you get you get what I'm saying here? You know, okay, so that's the that's the foundation of what we're talking about today. So here's what I believe. I believe that every Christ follower can become a whole life steward of the resources and the gifts God has bestowed upon them but you have to develop some skill. We all have to develop some skill. So this is like a skill build sort of sermon, right? But we have to go what skills? Right? I mean, what skills really need to be developed in order to do this? So it's like um here's what it is. It's like a, the ultimate game of follow the leader. Right. In our world today, everyone talks about leadership, right? So if someone asks me to introduce myself in my world outside of this world, they'll say, "Oh, he's a leadership expert. I don't really know what that means. Okay, I'll be honest with you, but, but that's how it's Purdue. That's how it's uh, presented, right? And, uh, and everyone talks about leadership, and everyone talks about what it means to be a great leader, what it means to be a servant leader, what it means to be a, a, a godly leader. And as I've thought about this over the last 10 years, I've thought, really, it's not about becoming a dynamic leader. It's really about how do I become a dynamic follower? For us in here today, it's how do you develop into a dynamic follower? Now, if you and I are dynamic followers, and who do you assume I'm saying we're going to follow? Right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Right? If we become dynamic followers, then, then, then these, these opportunities – To steward our life at work and steward our life at home and in the community and in worship and in that, that follows. That follows. That comes. Okay, so, how did God do it? If I'm gonna be a dynamic follower, I've gotta say, how did God put it together? what skills did he use to put it all together now 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 okay some of you might be thinking well but he was god and that's true he was god and you and i are not but he left us a lot of hints a lot more than we think he left us and so i was uh i make the habit of of going through the pro you know go i 31 proverbs right so proverbs are wisdom literature. So I make I make the habit, although it's not a very disciplined habit. It's a it's a it's a less than It's less disciplined than I would like it to be, but I try to read a proverb a day. Try to. I don't always do it. And just one day I was uh, it was the third of the month, right? So the third proverb, third of the month, and I'm reading proverbs, proverb three nineteen and twenty. And you can open there if you'd like, if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever. Open up to proverb three. Nineteen and twenty, and um, and, and and we're going to read that, okay? Um, proverb three, Proverbs three, nineteen and twenty. Now, now the context of this proverb—it's written in, within within Proverb three, where it's talking about the further benefits of wisdom. How does wisdom further benefit you and I? And so, when you get to nineteen and twenty. All of a sudden, we read this. It says, By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. And by his knowledge, the the, the deep were divided, and the clouds let drop their dew. Check that out. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop their dew. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, wait, wait, why would God need to use wisdom, knowledge, understanding? There must be something there for us that it was laid out for us to see that there's this idea of wisdom, knowledge, understanding – that there there's somehow something must be there must be something about those three words because it could just say god laid the earth's foundations he set the heavens in place and the deeps were divided that's, that's it could just say that but somehow the person writing this proverbs let us in on the fact that the earth's foundations were laid by wisdom the heavens were set in place by understanding and then everything was divided, and the rain came through knowledge. Well, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and knowledge of what, of whom, why, for us. It could just say, God did it. Boom, and it was done. I mean, it doesn't need to tell. It doesn't need to say any of this. But somehow, I look at it and I go, Whoa, wait. wait wait and and here's what i think in in our in our day today when i walk around the world and i interact with people right people will go oh wow that person is really smart they have a lot of knowledge but then if you spend any time you'll go oh man they're kind of foolish you know how can you be that smart and do such and such or you'll see someone uh, in in our lives with all this wisdom, and yet they're sort of dismissed away because they don't seem like they would be. They don't have the right pedigree. So I'm sitting there going, "Okay, God, what is this for? Who is this for?" And so w- when I looked at it, I started I started thinking about this, and I and I kept on kind of going into this idea. By wisdom, God laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, He set the heavens in place. And by His knowledge, He was devi- the, the He divided the depths, and the clouds let drop their dew. And then I remembered this quote. It was from a pastor, and he said, you are most like your creator when you are creating. And I go, okay, most like my creator when I'm creating. How would I create anything? How can I make a change in my family's life or in my community or at my workplace, or in my business, or in the lives of someone else that I'm trying to impact, maybe the people I coach and consult and train, well, I would need to have some knowledge. But if it was only knowledge, and I couldn't understand what their needs were, then it would just be wasted knowledge. It would be another smart person talking about smart things, and no one hears or listens or changes a thing. So I thought, okay, my knowledge has to be knowledge and understanding of the context, the world I live in? Can I understand the other person? Can I empathize with their realities? Do I sit there with that CEO and listen to his troubles about his leadership team and think, oh, whatever, you make a couple of million dollars a year, what do you care? Or can I understand his reality and sort of sit in his reality? Similarly, can I sit with someone who has a a dying spouse, and understand their reality, although I never experienced it. That's called empathy. Or can I sit with a homeless person and and, 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 and be empathetic towards it? That's the understanding. So here goes God. He has all the knowledge to create it all. But somehow he wants, he sets the heavens in place understanding. I think it's understanding us. Right? Understanding who we are. Understanding how this this idea of heaven would be something that would draw us to a relationship with him where we 'd want to know him more and want to commit more and want to surrender more That's, that ought, heaven ought to be calling us to that, yeah so then I go, well, okay, so say you have knowledge, so i 'm doing it backwards right now, folks, okay so say you have this knowledge, say then you understand how can I under, how can I develop this understanding? And yet we still need wisdom because we need to discern. We need to understand what is right and good and godly and moral and just. And we can't do any of this without God. We we can try. We can attempt. We could could give it our best human effort. And yet there has to be a rock-solid foundation which is provided for us in the Word of God, through the Word of God, to help transform our lives so that we can sit there and look at words like wisdom and understanding and knowledge and, and battle with those and, and seek to understand those and contextualize those and wrap our hearts and our minds around them. So all of this is going on, right? This is, every, this is all going on in my head, you, you know, folks. So think about what it's like to live with me, right? So my brain is going nuts on this, you know? So as I said earlier, right, we are created by God in the image of God. Each one of you here, if I could give everyone a mirror, and you could put it up, and you could look at yourself, which for some of us that's difficult to do. It really is difficult. Do you ever try to look in the mirror at yourself? Not not looking at where you need to shave, men, or looking at some line somewhere, but really looking at yourself. And the truth of the matter is, is that you were created in the image of God. Okay, that's wild, all in its own, right? So you were created by God in his image. You were delivered by God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you're called by God to steward your life by following his example, following his lead, becoming that dynamic follower, practicing whole life stewardship. So here's where it gets crazy. Okay, so I'm in the book of Proverbs. I'm in Proverbs 3. Now, here's where it gets really crazy. Just the other, about a week ago, I was prepping. And, uh, well, it was on the 24th, right? What day is it today? 28th? So four days ago. So I didn't prepare too far in advance for you. So the 24th, right? So the 24th, um, I'm in Proverb 24. And I get, I, get through, I get through and I look at verses 3 and 4. Check this out. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I think, what? this is what happened. I was in my office. I go, wait a second. And I flip back to three. And I go, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Here goes the, 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 the I, I mean, I'm a little bit speechless. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not even, this isn't play acting. I'm going, wait a second. You're telling me that by wisdom the God, God laid the earth's foundations, by understanding he established heaven, by his knowledge he divided it all so it would all work. And then just a few verses later, I'm here, I'm getting ready to talk about stewardship. I flip open Proverb 24 and it says, wait, you and I. By wisdom, our house is built. God is saying to us, the very same thing I used to lay the earth's foundations, wisdom is the very same thing you are to use to build the house. So I I started thinking about that. And well, what is that? That's building a life, right? So the very same thing, God says, is to lay the foundation of the universe wisdom he's saying to you and I lay the foundation of your life your home through wisdom are you kidding me that's cr- anyone who says i open the word of god it doesn't tell me anything you're out of your mind you know oh i don't get anything you're out of your mind like they are outside their mind, okay? So, so then, then it goes, wait, wait, through understanding, it's established. Wait, I can establish a way of life within my life, within my home, through understanding. So then, you know, as a dad, as a husband, I go, oh, okay, how do I better understand sort of what my kids are going through right now? How do I sort of better understand what my wife is experiencing? How do I better understand what my in-laws are experiencing? It can go on and on and on. And then, crazy, says, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful gifts. Now, before you get distracted like I did and I think, oh, wow, 72-inch TV, you know, so – Rare and beautiful gifts. So so a TV wouldn't be a rare gift because any of us can go buy it, right? Um, Fancy stuff, dishes, figurines uh, wouldn't be a rare gift because any of us can buy it. So what are these rare and beautiful gifts? And I think these rare and beautiful gifts are the gifts and the talents and the capabilities and the strengths that God has bestowed on each one of us. And how do we fill our home how do we fill the room of our, rooms of our home with, and of our life with God's best gifts for us? The very best he has to offer for us. He, he doesn't, he's not, he's not stingy. Are you ever st- I'm stingy with my food. Anyone else stingy with their food? Like I don't want to share my food with anyone. So I make up excuses. So it wouldn't be uncommon for me to go, oh, no, I'm not feeling well. You don't want to eat that because I really just don't want to share it with you. And I may even cough on it or something just to seal the deal, you know. And so I don't, you know, I'm stingy with that. Now, there's other things I'm not stingy with. But we're all, each one of us have something we're stingy with, right? I mean, each one of us have something. Yeah. But God doesn't have anything like that. There's no stinginess for him. He's saying, I want to fill your, your life with rare and beautiful gifts. And here's the craziest thing. He's already done it. There's rare and beautiful gifts. Once you are delivered, right? You're created, you're delivered. There's rare and beautiful gifts he's bestowing upon you. He's bestowing upon not myself. And then he's giving us even the grace, right, of discovering those over time. He doesn't rip it away from you because you're not using it for a season. He's waiting for you to discover these rare and beautiful gifts. It's unbelievable. So wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So let's jump ahead a little bit, right? So I'm I'm, I'm sitting there, and I realize, well, maybe what it takes to be a whole whole life steward, to steward our entire life, is this very thing, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. If I pursued the development of wisdom, the development of understanding, and this knowledge of who God is – how would that change things? So I started looking at that, and I realized it reminded me of a very familiar verse, James 1.5. So if you want to, we're going to do some scripture gymnastics here, right? So James 1.5 says what? Anyone, uh, everyone there yet? So it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. So we don't even have an excuse with wisdom he's saying ask for it i'm going to give it to you i mean he probably sits back sometimes and thinks oh i'm giving it to this one again you know but anyway that's not you know we'll talk later so uh, the 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 thing is is that you you ask and he gives it generously without finding fault i mean that's pretty amazing so it's not even like a big hurdle i need to jump over to get wisdom i just need to ask god for it I just need to step back, ask him, and believe that he's going to give it i mean that's that's unbelievable. no one's being asked to jump over a major hurdle. ask and it's given just trust, believe well why why what this thing of wisdom so what is it for right so there's there's, uh, there's entire books that are called wisdom literature in, in Scripture. So let me, let me give you a few, because if you want it, right, you're going to ask for it, but then you need to do some study. You need to do some reading. So the book of Job, everyone thinks, oh, it's just a book about a guy that loses it all and gets it back. And but No, it's a wisdom literature book. It's, it would be part of wisdom literature the book of Job. Ecclesiastes, another wisdom literature book in, in the Scriptures. Proverbs, the whole book of Proverbs. Is wisdom lit? And then here's some psalms that are considered wisdom lit. Psalm 1, Psalm 37, Psalm 49, Psalm 73, Psalm 112, Psalm 127, Psalm 128. So where do I get wisdom? Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the question of where do I get it? That's where we get it, the Lord. So how do I get it? James one five, if you lack it, ask for it, and God's going to give it. How will I know um, if I'm applying this wisdom? Well, that would be James three seventeen. So now what I'm saying to you is here's some verses, Proverb two six, that's where you get it. James one five, that's how you get it. James 3:17 How do I measure if I'm applying wisdom properly would be James 3:17 It says this But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure then peace-loving it's considerate it's submissive it's full of mercy and good fruit it's impartial it's sincere This is just a list of going okay wait am I being peace-love am I peace-loving I'm not always peace-loving I have a terrible temper I lose my patience. It feels like my head is blowing up at times. At those moments, I'm not wise. I'm a fool. And so can I measure and say, am I becoming more peace-loving? Am I becoming more considerate? Submissive. Can I submit to God? Can I submit to my wife? Can I submit to my friends? I'm just putting their needs before my own. Can I submit in that way? Submission isn't weakness. Otherwise, we're saying Jesus was weak when he went to the cross. When you think about that, we think, oh, weak. It's weak if you submit. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to get nailed through the hands or the wrists. And he was. And that's the ultimate act of submission. If he could submit that way, I could submit to love and care and understand someone else and put them above myself. Am I full of mercy? Good luck with that one. How many of you are full with mercy? Show your hands. Liar. Okay, so um, am I producing good fruit? Am I impartial? Am I sincere? Am I a peacemaker who sows peace and raises a harvest of righteousness? What would your life look like if you were to raise a harvest of righteousness, that should be the legacy. That should really be the legacy. Is there a, a, a harvest of righteousness produced from the life that I lived here? That is not easy for me to live because I get caught up into Is my business growing? Is this happening? Is that happening? Right? Because I live in two worlds, right? I mean, I live in partly I'm gifted with this opportunity to live in this pastoral preaching world. But come tomorrow, I'm thinking marketing and plans and development, you know? And am I I letting God enter into all of that? Am I stewarding that part of my life? And I I experience a tension between those two things, not unlike any of you do, trying to pay the bills and – and get to the goals that you're you're hoping to get to and the things you want to accomplish and and yet at the end of the day none of that matters uh in the context of what I'm saying right now because it I mean it does matter because we matter to God but but what doesn't what what really should be the measure of my life is is there a harvest of righteousness produced out of this life I've been given to live no matter how many days I have right so that's what we, so this idea of wisdom, you know where you can get it, you know how you can get it, and you know how you can measure it. Now, when you take wisdom and you couple it with understanding, it produces even more that, that, that foundation. So here, we live in a time, and I live in this world because of what I do and help people develop, right? And so we live in this, is this time of um, we want to develop self-awareness understanding of ourselves. And you know what? There's actually really nothing wrong with that until it's taken to an extreme. When it's taken to the extreme and I become the center of my universe and my feelings and thoughts and ideas become the center of my universe, that's that extreme piece. And when it's taken to that extreme, often what happens is um, we achieve this self-awareness and and self you know this mindfulness and this self actualization and it's all of this understanding but it's understanding that doesn't have an anchor right it, it, it's understanding that does has, it has no anchor there's no, it's not it's not it's not rooted in anything that's firm we have the other scenario and i'm sure it's not any of us in here but where what what happens is is um we're not, we're not really pursuing self-understanding and, and you know, understanding of others. What we're doing is we're judging, right? We're the judger. We're judging our own shortcomings. We're judging other people's shortcomings. And, and, and so, so we can go to these extremes. All of this self-understanding with no anchor, meaning no Jesus, or we can go to this other extreme where we think we have Jesus But we make Jesus an anchor and we tie it around people's necks and we drop them to the bottom of our of our pool of despair, you know. And sometimes we do that to ourselves. Well, that's not that's not understanding, right? That's that's not what he's talking about here. So so this again, I'm going to have you jump around a little bit. If you go into Colossians chapter three, there are some things here for us. And in Colossians chapter 3, there's a section of scripture there. Chapter 3 is, talks about rules for holy living, if you have in your, new te- in your NIV. So, so, so what must a whole life steward, a dynamic Christ follower, how do they establish understanding? And, and look at verses 1 and 2 here. It says, um, since then you have been raised with Christ. So number one is you and I need to understand we've been raised with Christ. Here's the trick. Big thing, really important. You feeling like you were raised with Christ is irrelevant. If you've accepted Christ, you've been raised with him. How you feel about whether or not you are raised with him is irrelevant. Now, that sounds crazy. I'm not saying you're irrelevant. It's just that our feelings about ourselves get in the way of our true identity in Christ. And there are times where we have to sit back and just trust that he's telling us what our identity is. And so here he's saying to us, right, since then you have been raised with Christ. That's a fact. That's not dependent on your feelings. That's dependent on who God is. He raised you. Then it says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So bingo. You want understanding. I want understanding. We get wisdom by asking for it. We get understanding by setting our hearts. On who? On God, on things above. Setting our minds on things above. What is the biggest problem for you and I? How we feel, our hearts, and how we think, our minds. And if you want to get your thinker and your feeler out of the way to experience who God's called you to be, we've got to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set our hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Now, what does that mean? That we uh, stop paying our mortgage, stop paying our bills, start sleeping? No, let's not be silly, right? That's not what it's saying. But it's saying when the weight, when the worry, when the pressure, then we have to check ourselves a little bit and go, wait, wait, do I have a proper understanding? Where do I need to reset my heart? Where do I need to reset my mind? It's crazy because it's so plain, and yet you don't know how many years I walk around stumbling around as if I'm in the dark, and there's no darkness. It's all been lit up, right? Look look at that. He's saying, since then, this is what you do, hearts and minds on things above. Align your thinking. Align your mind. Then if you go to verses 12 and – in the same chapter, go to 12 and 14, 12 through 14, and it says – Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, so holy, H-O-L-Y, perfectly, right? It's completely set apart from anything that's corrupt. You are loved in a way, God loves you in a way, that any hint of corrosion is not in it. It is a perfect, absolutely perfect love, a holy love. That he has given to us. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How would our witness in this world be different if people saw coming from us, the church, compassion, patience, gentleness, humility, and kindness? How would it be different? How would it be different in our families? If people saw from us compassion, kindness, humility, patience, and gentleness. Goes on and it says, here's the thing. This is for the church, verse 13. Bear with each other. That's awesome because he knows we're all messed up and we all gather together and we're all going to make each other upset at times. And he says, bear, bear down, bear with each other, right? Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. So, for you, those of you who hate this message, you can't say that to me. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but but it's bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and that's the whammy. He doesn't even give us a w- wiggle room. He doesn't even give me wiggle room. Come on, like what you know? Now, grace is the r- wiggle room, right? But it's awesome here. So, and whatever, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in unity. Now, this love stuff, I talked about love yesterday with the men, and I'm talking about love today. And I, I, it's work for me. Let me just say that. I, I do not just naturally love. I don't. You know, the men yesterday heard me say that in my home growing up, I never heard anyone say to me, I love you. No one. not a Zero. Never. Now, do I believe they love me? Yes. But would it have been nice to hear? Double yes. You know? So for me, this idea of love, I have to rely on God. And, of course, God's given me my wife who has sort of – flooded my life with love which is amazing and my kids do the same which is god's grace but it's not natural for me for some of you it's not the natural thing you're going to jump to and i would just encourage you to trust god's word in that in that piece there so being established in this love of god and living out of gratitude And this love that God bestowed upon us, we can see ourselves and others as Christ does. That's what understanding does. Can I see this person as Christ sees this person? Can I see this this situation as Christ sees this situation? Can I understand to the point that he understood, God understood? Can I do that? Can I develop in that way? Now, it's a lifetime thing. It's not going to be after this message. It's a lifetime pursuit. Finally, it's this, filled with knowledge. Wisdom coupled with understanding and then filled with the knowledge of God. So we go down. I'm going to stay in Colossians, and it says um, this. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. So, so one piece of knowledge we need to develop is this peace of Christ knowledge. Can I understand what this peace of Christ is? Because I don't feel peace all the time. Can I pursue this understanding of this this idea of the peace of Christ? Can I experience having peace in all circumstances, in all situations of my life? Can I get there? Well, I believe that God can get me there, and now it's just a matter of how do I pursue it so that I can get there, that I'm trusting him for the outcomes, and that I'm developing the knowledge and the understanding of that. It goes on in verse sixteen, and it says, um, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." As you know, and so, so there, so knowledge, knowledge of the peace of Christ, knowledge of the word of Christ, transformation without the word of, as a Christian, transformation without the word of Christ, it's like we're, it's like we're handicapping ourselves. So what I would encourage you to, is, maybe you don't like to read then get the Bible app on your phone and just listen to it. You know, no one's saying that you have to have a Bible tattered up with underlines in it. That's great if you have that. I have that. Some of you have that. But if nothing else, just listen to the Word of God. Not to preachers. Okay, that's okay secondarily. But to the Word of God, just the pure Word of God coming at you. And so we have this whole, you know, you, you version or whatever the Bible app is, and it's incredible because you can just hit play and you can listen to the word of God. You know? So this is an amazing thing to do. But because you have to in order to really have this, this this knowledge, we have to access the knowledge giver. He has all the knowledge we need. I once listened to someone talk about Jesus, the smartest man who ever lived, and how some people have, have problems with believing that the smartest person who ever lived was Jesus. You could say he's the most holy. You could say that he's the most righteous, but most, many of us would struggle with the smartest. Well, I would venture to say he's the smartest, and so why don't I trust the smartest person I know with the development of knowledge? Finally, there's this. So, what would whole life stewardship look like? So there's a word in the Old Testament, the word is avoda or avoda. And that word, it's an interesting word, and the word means three things it means work, worship, and service. But there's no delineation that it's fifty percent that, ten percent this, forty percent that. It's it's equally all of those things. And it's a word that we've lost in modern-day church, this idea of work, worship, and service being this, this intertwined, connected thing. So can you put up that slide for me? This is my representation of that word. At the center of your life, of my life, is God. And I have a perforated circle around that because that ought to sort of come into every aspect every piece of the pie of our life so the big outer circle represents your whole life in your whole life in my whole life some of the sections of yours might change but there's work and business that's part of our life there's family is part of our life friends are part of our life service ought to be part of our life community ought to be part of our life worship our resources our finances are part of our life and our gifts and talents are part of our life At the center of the universe, of your life, of my life, ought to be God. And if we are focused on who God is, and we let him stay squarely in the center of our life, then through this idea of developing wisdom and knowledge and understanding, we sort of, if you could picture it, almost filtering out from there. Now we can go into our work and our business stewarding it differently. We could come to church stewarding it differently. We could go to worship stewarding it differently. Community stewarding it differently. So it's this idea of of the whole you matters to God. The whole you matters to God, and he wants to touch every single aspect of our lives so that as we steward that aspect, people can see the glory of Christ that they can recognize they were created in the image of God as we have. That they can experience deliverance into a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ like we have. And that the, and and, the, and then they can, they can discover these gifts and talents that they too are to steward, are to manage, are to lead, are to utilize. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm going to pray. But... Uh, Consider how God touches every part of your life, and how can you and I further that touch of God in every aspect of our life through this idea of stewarding our whole life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Praise you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you that there are portions of Scripture some of which are mysterious, but some are so plain. God, you laid the earth's foundation through wisdom. You set the heavens by understanding. And through your knowledge, you divided up the resources so that they would be perfectly in balance with one another. And God, then you show us that we can build our house with wisdom establish it through understanding, and fill it through knowledge, knowledge of you. And God, I pray that we would take the model as we follow you, as we we become whole life stewards, dynamic followers of you, Christ, and that we would place you squarely at the center of our lives, that through wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, we would then allow every part of our life to be touched by you, and that those people who are in those parts of our lives would ultimately be touched by you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
0: Before we dismiss, as Michael was uh, sharing, you know, he said at the very beginning, you're probably not going to hear anything that you haven't. Well, that wasn't true. Because, Eileen, uh, put, put up the, the, the chart real quick, the, the, the grid. Because I think, I think many of us are just going to miss this. You're just going to miss this. See where it says God, okay, and then has all of our lives. We've seen that before. Nothing new. It's that where knowledge, wisdom, and understanding come in, you cannot miss that. Because sometimes we live in the world of intentionality. Yeah, I want God to be the center, but I'm just stuck. I gain all, I go to church, but I don't know what to do with it. But I really want God to be the center. Can someone tell me? How God is supposed to be the center? How does Christianity, how does this work? See, how does this work? What do you do? Why should I come to men's group? Why should I come to women's group? Why should I pray? Why should I study? Why? How does this really work? See, how it works is where that line is right there, that that category, knowledge, wisdom, understanding. The Bible says if you just came today to hear a good sermon and you leave, you're deluded. That's that's biblical. You're deceived. You're deluded. So what do I do, pastor? How do I do this? You leave here. You see all those categories. How many of you look at all those categories and realize that's full-time job right there? If I was going to leave here and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to pick one this week, and I need your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in one of those. How many of you are are like, whoa, even if you have more than one kid, whoa, Lord, I'm going to spend this week on one of my kids. Oh, wait, then I have my job. Wait, then I have my spouse. Then I have my job. You mean I'm supposed to be literally applying and seeking wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in the totality of my life? How many of you get that that's a full-time gig? That's life. That's the Christian life, and it's not drudgery. That's excitement. That's enthusiasm. That's when you're like, Lord, help me understand my spouse. Just help me understand what's going on in her life or his life. Okay. Help me get this. Help me get knowledge. Help me understand it. And now, Lord, I need to search the scriptures, and I need I need to now pour in and search the scriptures just in this one area of my life. And now I got to do that here. And now I got to do that here. And now I got to do that here. And suddenly, your life is transformed over time. See, a lot of us we don't we we we, we never it's that missing quadrant. That's the link and that's the bridge for many of us that just feel stuck. I come and I go, I come and I go, and I don't understand why I'm not changing, I don't understand why my finances aren't changing and how I handle them, I can't break these bad habits, I'm still in bondage to the past, me and my wife are still stuck, I'm still having relational issues with my kids. How does it work? Because if you ask me, yes, I want God in the center of it all. Amen? It's that right there. It's that quadrant for many of you here. Light bulb should be going off. Because that's when you roll up your sleeves (laughs) and you get busy with God. And you say, Lord, give me your wisdom, give me knowledge, give me understanding, and then I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to do it. And then you get lit. Then you realize, wow, wow, there is abundant life in Jesus. My marriage is being healed. My relationship with my kids are being healed. My finances and I'm stewarding them differently. I have a different attitude at work. I have a different attitude at church. Everything is changing, being transformed because you are applying wisdom, knowledge, and understanding rooted in the Word of God. Amen? That's why we do what we do here. That's why we invite you to men's group. That's why we invite you to women's Bible studies. That's why we invite you to coffee. Because some of your wisdom and knowledge and understanding is going to come from the person right next to you. Counsel. Help. He, it, that's what the church is for amen so leave here pick one okay i'm going to give you an assignment you can do that i guess i can pick one of those quadrants right now before you leave it's right there you have no excuse pick one and and commit commit this week to seek wisdom knowledge and understanding through god's word in that one area just start it's just a starting point. Let's do that. Can we commit? Can we commit? I'm going to commit with my wife. I'm just saying it. I'm saying it. You can hold me accountable. You can hold me accountable. Dad picked the easy one. Just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. All right. We got food. We have refreshments. We have prayer up here. Come on up if you need prayer. God bless you. Have a great week.